it's a story, isn't it? And it's quite a risk um, that Rahab takes. So Jericho is in on God's total destruction list. Jericho is not going to be left standing. And Rahab lives there, and it's a very profligate and a very corrupt city. And after the Israelite conquest of, his, of uh, that, the kingdom, which is going to become Israel, nobody is going to live in Jericho. Jericho is going to be uh, gone. I know that later it was rebuilt, but at the time of the settlement, the plan is nobody lives in Jericho. Jericho is going to be pretty well cancelled out and not remembered. So the idea is that the spies go and look round the, the, the new land and look for opportunities uh, for conquest. Now, everybody knows that the Israelites are coming. Everybody knows. They've, I mean, goodness knows they've been on the periphery wandering around for about 40 years. So everybody knows they're there. It's not like this is a surprise. They're not suddenly, oh, look, there's three million Israelites. Where did they come from? They have been around on the periphery for a long time. And they're quite a scary bunch because as the years have gone on, so they have got better organized. And so it is that the people who are populating their next generation are much more up for what God has got for them than the originals. You've got to remember the originals who crossed the Red Sea had spent their whole lives in slavery. This generation hasn't. They don't have the same slavery mindset that the first generation had. So they're a lot more up for it when it comes to going into the promised land. Now Rahab is part of the culture of Jericho. So she's part of that. But even though she's part of Jericho, which is a very successful city, she can see what's happening. And when the spies arrive, that's the indication that the time has come. I suppose everybody knew it was coming, but when the spies arrive, mm, now it's here. That's the time. That's the time. So she does a deal for herself and her family, and she takes a huge risk. So if she'd been caught out, we all know what would have happened, don't we? If she'd been caught out, we all know. Her and her family would have been executed, quite probably in a fairly unpleasant manner. My experience of the Old Testament is that um, things were rarely sort of clean and painless. It's, uh, it seemed like fairly brutal times in what was what, the late Bronze Age, the early Iron Age? It was, um, it was, a, it was a, a difficult time. Am I about right with that, Mike? Late Bronze, early Iron Age, do you reckon? He's nodding his head, thank you. So, so what she does is what we saw. So she hides the spies and then distracts the guards and sends them elsewhere. A bit like our resident child catcher here. Um, we send them off and, uh, yeah, excellent. Let's have a tutti-tutti-bang-bang bang reference. Why not? <laughs> it's, uh, 
You get it all here. Amy Winehouse, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The whole, the high points of British culture are are, are here. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. What was it? Was it? Was it the most remembered baddie in a children's film and he was only actually on screen for 90 seconds? I mean, that tells you something about the anxieties children have about somebody coming to catch you. Tells you something, doesn't it? Fantastic psychological study would that be. Anyway, she, she then does a deal that when Jericho falls, she has put a scarlet cord out of the window and so, when the soldiers come in, they are going to escort Rahab and her family away to safety. And in fact, that's what happens. And they are brought out and they are rescued, which is good. So, but note this, when they are rescued, we hear that Rahab and her family are actually placed outside of the Israelite camp. And we don't actually hear any more about what happens to Rahab and her family. But it's, it's a brilliant study. And Rahab is a hero. And she's a hero with a lot to teach us. And so my view is, let's look at one or two of the things that make Rahab a hero and what we can learn from Rahab. And I, I'm really enjoying this study because I think actually... Rahab teaches us one of the most important lessons that Christians can learn today. And it's this, that it's about alignment. Rahab saw what God was doing and joined in. Rahab saw what God was doing and joined in. And that is a skill or a perception, or an attribute, whatever you want to call it, that Christians today also need to learn. Now, I've been reflecting on this quite a lot because, as we've said before here, there's been a lot of teaching over the last 30, maybe 40 years among evangelicals about the sort of individualism of our Christian walk, even though that's not actually often what the Bible tells us that yes, we have a personal salvation through a personal relationship with Jesus, but we are called to be in community together, and we're called to build. Now, one of the key elements about that is understanding this. God has a plan. Do you believe that God has a plan? God has a plan. God has a plan. Okay, that's it. Okay? God has a plan. It's a plan. It's a big plan. It's an important plan. It's a good plan. And your and my role is to be part of that plan. And God will open up space for us to align ourselves with God's plan. So the much misused verse in Jeremiah, which says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, plural. I know the plans I have for you as a people, is what the verse actually says, has often been taken to say, well, hang on. God actually has seven and a half billion individual, sometimes not overlapping plans. 
and what I'm looking for is mine. And actually, that's not a true reflection at all. In fact, this is a human view. In other words, seven and a half billion individuals have plans of their own. A sizable proportion of them are Christians, and their plan is that God will align himself with their plan. That's the idea. I have, I have had a great idea, and what I'm looking for is a bit of cooperation here, God. Uh, and just so you know, if I don't get it, I want you to know I'll be disappointed. But actually, that's not how it works. Now, don't get me wrong, because suddenly, and this is our human trait, we think that if it isn't tailored round ours, with a little name badge, our name badge on it, that somehow we are going to miss, we are going to miss out. But God is very clever. He does a plan, and as we align ourselves with God's plan, so we are blessed beyond any blessing we could have by making our own plan. That's how good he is. So the challenge for us as Christians, and this is what makes Rahab a real hero, is that she saw what God was doing and she aligned herself with it. And as a result, was saved. And this is us, this is our reality. Understand this, God has a plan, it's a perfect plan. And we can be one of two things. We can be a part of it, or we can be apart from it. That's our choice. God has a perfect plan, and the challenge for us is to line in. It isn't a point of going to God, right, God, where's my plan? Where's my plan? Outline my plan. And it's like, no, 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 no. sorry about that. There isn't a plan that is your plan. There's a plan which is my plan, God's plan. And our challenge is to see what God is doing and align ourselves with it. To see what God is doing and align ourselves with it. The alternative is to see what God is doing and please ourselves, or basically not see what God is doing. Neither of them is a good opportunity. The ideal opportunity is for us to see what God is doing and to align ourselves with it. And he then directs our paths. And this is what Rahab did. She could see it was coming. You know, she'd read the signs. The spies had arrived, which kind of said, right, that's it. It's on the doorstep now. Really no mucking about now. We're going to have to choose sides. And she did, and she aligned herself with it. So my advice to you is if you are wondering what should I do, where should I go, what should I be involved in, what, what are the plans here, my strong suggestion to this is not to look for what your plan is, but to look for what God's plan is and ask him for a part in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's plan and ask him for a part in his plan. And this is what we know because he's a great and gracious God is he gives you a part in God's plan which fits you perfectly, blesses you, grows you, builds you up, challenges you, and makes you the kind of person that is more like Jesus than when you started. And it's an exciting adventure. It takes you unexpected places. But that's because it's God's plan, and God's plan 
is perfect. So we need discernment. We talked a bit in the, in the uh, late spring about understanding what God is doing and saying, that we have discernment, see that. This is available to everybody. This was Jesus' promise. Whatever is hidden will be shouted from the rooftops. God's plan is not a secret to the believer. If we belong to Jesus, God will tell us what his plan is, or certainly the bit of his plan that we need to know and we can be involved in. So that's what Rahab did. Rahab learned a lesson, albeit in desperate straits. Maybe that's how most of us learn. I don't know. But he, she learned a lesson that we need to learn, that Christians need to learn, and she followed it. So she's a hero. She's a hero because of our alignment. Here's the second thing, is Rahab had the right attitude. And one of the things about aligning ourselves with God's plan is that we need the right attitude. We need a good attitude. This is what Rahab didn't do. She didn't get disgruntled about what she was going to lose. She was more concerned about what she needed to save. She didn't get disgruntled about what she was going to lose. She was more concerned about what she needed to save. And that is the right attitude. That was her attitude. Her attitude was, what? My house? I've just had new windows. You can't knock my house down. She didn't think, well, I've, I've worked all this out. I've built up a business. I can't afford to have you turn up now and knock the whole place down. How very dare you? Not that, not at all. She, had, she didn't get disgruntled because she wasn't getting what she wanted. She was more concerned about what she needed to save than what it was she was going to lose. Here's the second thing that Rahab didn't try and do. Rahab did not try to justify her current position. I, I really struggled with my conscience because I was tempted to do a very rebellious thing with the children today and to send them out from under the blanket saying, go and ask your teachers what a prostitute is. Off you go, go and ask them. But, but I didn't do that. Did you, did you notice that I didn't do that? Okay, I, I want you to know that there was a little section of me that really wanted to, but I didn't. Okay, I didn't do that. But here's the thing. It's not a very complimentary title that Rahab gets. But she doesn't try to justify her position. She just realigns into a new one. And here's the thing. If your position doesn't appear to you to be very complimentary to you, if you feel that actually there are things in your life that, that you feel get in the way, can't be resolved, are difficult, Covering up and justifying is unnecessary. It's a lot of work because Jesus takes us just as we are. And he will save us, he will forgive us, he will restore us, and he will renew us. And one of the things I've noticed about a lot of people, Christians included, is this. Is that they have an elevated opinion of others compared to themselves. But this is why I say, we're all in the same boat. You don't know what other people are struggling with, 
or what other people have had to repent of, or what other people's history is. Trust me, humans are humans. We all have that, all of us. But Jesus has the victory over all of it. Whatever it is in your past, whatever it is that other people think they know or know about you, makes no difference. Jesus can forgive and restore. And what's more, if you ask him, he will. And you can be transformed. Whatever is going on in here can be fixed. The last one I want to talk about. So she aligned herself with God's plan. She approached what was happening with the right attitude. And finally, she was prepared to adjust. She was prepared to adjust. So Rahab was losing what she had. She was, she was you know, it was all going to go. It was a start again position and quite a vulnerable one. So she was clearly part of, part of the community and now she was going to be an outsider. She was part of the community. Now she wasn't going to be. She, she was paying quite a high price for doing this, and she was going to have to adjust. What's more, there was no going back to her old lifestyle. Rahab's old lifestyle was gone. There was, there was, she wasn't going to be able to do, which we've, we've talked about before, the old two-camp, two-step. Do you remember us talking about that? Where you managed to do a bit of this and a bit of that, and walk, dance around, trying to keep it in balance all the time, where I want, I want these bits of my old lifestyle, I want these bits of the new lifestyle, uh, but I still want these bits of my old lifestyle. But, and we, we well, she had no choice. It, that was all over. And that was good, because she then had to adjust. And the reality was that Rahab was probably going to have a pretty tricky time of it. She, he was, she was probably going to have a bit of a challenge going on. It wasn't going to be easy. But she was prepared to adjust. And this is the discipleship road for all of us. As we sign up for Jesus, and it's an adjustment. We have to adjust. The old is gone, the new is here. Hanging on to the old will only interfere with the new. What's it Jesus says about the old cloth and the new cloth, that one will rip the other? Or the old wineskins and the new in the new wine, that one will burst the other. That the old and new are not good bedfellows. They don't they don't mix well. We've got to we've got to get this. That actually, discipleship means that we adjust to our new life. We have like the disciples. We've stopped following an old life and we've started following Jesus. And that was a big adjustment for them, and they went through a lot, if you remember what the disciples did. We're going to start in the autumn looking at a whole range of New Testament disciples, and we're going to spend some time exploring what discipleship is and what we can learn from a whole range of people who chose in the early church to follow Jesus. But it is a key thing, one of the key things is that we need to adjust. So what's the challenge for us today? I'm sure you've already worked out the challenges today. Uh, it's fairly straightforward. The first one is, are we aligning ourselves with God's plan? Have we discerned what God is doing? What is God doing in this place? What is God doing in this church? What is God doing in this town? 
What is God doing right now? What is our part in it? Have we asked for a part in God's plan? Or have we simply explained our plan to God in the hope that he'll agree and align with it? Hey, you haven't done that, have you? No, me neither, I've never done that. Um, And there's the thing is we need the prophetic. We need uh, to be studying. We need to be walking with our spiritual eyes open. We need at times to be taking time out from our lives to take a breath and allow God to talk. A good way of keeping God from ever talking to us, although he keeps talking to us, is that we are so busy we never get a minute to stop and listen. And that's always a good thing, but then it's very difficult to know what it is that God has for us as part of his plan. Here's the second question, which is what kind of attitude are we bringing into God's presence? What kind of attitude are we bringing in? Are we aware that he has his sovereign plan and our places to align with that? That he has good plans, plans that include us, should we choose to submit? And are we coming with a serving and submitting attitude? Are we coming with a view to hearing what it is that God has for us? Or have we simply made our own list and we're waiting for God to deliver? As long as he's well aware that if he doesn't deliver properly, we will be disappointed and he will know about it. Sometimes by what we say and sometimes because we go in the huff and just don't talk to him. Which some people I know can carry on for a good many years. But there you go. That's not helpful. An attitude of service and submission is what we need. And the last question is obvious. How are we prepared to adjust how we live to align up with what God is doing? Are we prepared to adjust what we do and how we live, how we behave, how we speak to others, how we respond to change, how we hear what is going on, see what is going on, understand what God is doing? So, There's my challenge to you this morning. Do you want to be part of God's plan? Okay, all right. I want you to know that God is not offended by your hesitation there. (laughs) But that is the question. Do you want to be part of God's plan? Do you genuinely think that God has got a good plan? And being part of it would be a good idea. Now, I'm not being either rhetorical or facetious here when I say that, because there is a faith element in this. That sometimes we really do have to get our heads around, and sometimes we have to remind ourselves that God has a really good plan and that it's a good idea for us to be part of it. Sometimes we've got to revisit that and just get it again. Do you, do you ever find that? Sometimes, you know, a bit of refocusing. So it is an important question. Do you think that God has got a good plan and it would be good for you to be part of it? Because that's important. So the question is, what's your attitude towards being part of God's plan? Do you need to adjust a little bit in that? Do you need to adjust what you're doing how you're speaking, how you're living, the choices you're making, the decisions. How do we align? Aligning like Rahab saved her life and her family 
She was a real hero. I think there's an opportunity for us as well to be a real hero aligned with God's perfect plan. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, just want to thank you that you were the fulfillment of God's perfect plan, the perfecter of God's perfect plan, that following you, aligning ourselves with you, gives us life, gives us spiritual health, gives us direction and purpose, gives us unity and togetherness, sees us grow, develop, mature, bear fruit. Lord, help us. I just pray, really, help us to have a fresh revelation that you have a great plan and that lining up with you is really going to be the best thing for us. Enable us to see that with a passion, Lord, with the right attitude, with a real preparedness to adjust how we need just to line up with you, we just pray. Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.